This episode is brought to you by the Big Ears Festival, taking place from March 21st through 24th, 2024 in Knoxville, and featuring an incredible range of performers, from Herbie Hancock to Lori Anderson to Kurt Vile. BigEarsFestival.org. This episode is brought to you by Atomic Books. Atomic is an independent bookstore full of objects made of paper, vinyl, plastic, and various other actual materials at the edge of time. Specializing in literary comics, small press, art books, and great regional beer at 8 Bar in the back of the store. Come to 3620 Falls Road in Hamden or go to AtomicBooks.com. Atomic Books, literary finds for mutated minds. I had the word, the phrase in my head for a decade because my mother who had Alzheimer's would walk around the house and she would look at me and she would go, you know, eventually she would pass me in the hallway and just, are you mine? Like she knew there was a connection and maybe I was a baby, but you know, things get a little amorphous when you, when you try to describe what might be going into an Alzheimer's person's head. But I got the sense that there was something that she was looking at, not like, do I know you? Not like that. Are you Virginia? That's not what she was doing. She seemed to be like, she, she didn't know my name, but she recognized that there was a connection This is Essential Tremors. I'm Lee Gardner. I'm Matt Byers. The idea behind this show is to have musicians and other creators talk about songs that shaped who they are. We're not looking for favorite songs, necessarily. We're also not looking for songs that they'd choose to take with them if they were stranded on a desert island. What we're looking for are songs that have significance to them. Songs that might have changed the course of their creative lives, or their lives in general. is quite literally a household name, at least among anyone with an interest in, for lack of a better term, indie or alternative music going back to the 1980s. First with the Pixies and then with her band The Breeders, Deal, often along with her twin sister Kelly, has created an indelible and wholly distinctive sound that's brought her and her band well-deserved international acclaim. The band's breakout album, Last Splash, was just released in a 30th anniversary edition by 4AD. The first song Deal chose as being four minutes for her was I Can't Help It If I'm Still In Love With You 
by Hank Williams. And my heart fell at your feet I can't help it if I'm still in love with you Somebody else stood by your side And he looked so satisfied I can't help it if I'm still in love with you Picture from the past came slowly stealing as I brushed your arm and walked so close. So the first one I picked was Hank Williams. I would imagine somebody else would might even have this, but obviously that would be weird. I like this song. Look, at, I'm I get obsessed with certain with music. Certain songs I get obsessed with. I can even get obsessed with a of like a a part going into from a verse into the chorus or something. I can get obsessed with like the first chorus, but not the second chorus. And I can be one of these people that just rewinds like a whole song, or I'll rewind like one section, you know, over and over again. Um, and this has been a song that I've gotten obsessed with. There's lots of songs. Free, Lion in the Sunshine is one I've gotten obsessed with over and over again, Curtis Bayfield. I've gotten obsessed with uh, The Makings of You over and over and over again. Uh, All We Know, Billie Holiday, over and over and over again. And the Hank Williams, over and over and over again. And, and there is something, you know, my parents are all from West Virginia. And so I'm the only person in the family, me and my sister from Ohio. So whenever we do reunions, any of the music that came up and in the house is, was related to country and bluegrass. We did not have uh, bluegrass in the house, really. I mean, we did to show that, this, you know, we did listen to plenty of that, kind of. Mom did not like bluegrass. It depressed her, but we had a lot of soul in the house because of my dad. Edwin Starr, Aretha, of course, Ray Charles, of course. So that's what really in the house, that's what I, I that's what, that was what was playing all the time. Uh, so we didn't, even though, but when my granddad came up, he used to do the, you know, two little fish with your hands in your pockets, in your pockets, in your pants. Two little fishes doing the hoochie-coochie dance. And he'd do the clogging style, you know, in the kitchen. So we had plenty of it around us. But there was no just like, mom's turning on the bluegrass because she's from West Virginia and the whole beach. There was none of that because it depressed her. Well, so this was music that was, um, it sounds like part of your, part of your heritage for yeah. lack of a less grand way to put that part of your upbringing. Exactly. Was right. it something that you kind of always embraced or was it something that maybe when you were younger, you thought was corny and you came back around to? Even though I knew this song in high school, I didn't, that, that's way before my time. And then as an adult, you know, out of 
college, I began to be obsessed with the Hank Williams song. Right. I uh, I actually grew up in the South. I grew up in East Tennessee. And so it was all around me. But I thought it was like old and corny and didn't really want to have anything to do with it that much until I got older. But of course, I knew all the songs because I heard them all the time. Um, when, when you were talking earlier, you talked about these um, these songs. And I don't think I'm making this up. I read somewhere once that Hank Williams uh, would play these songs for people and he would basically kind of say, hey, that was a good one, wasn't it? You want to hear another one? And he would he would talk, the, the, the person who was describing it was like he was doing card tricks, you know? It's like this thing that he could just like pop out, you know, these magic things that somehow he just like came out of this guy who was not a super educated person or anything like that. They just like came out of him. And he, you know, he was like, he just thought they were cool. Yeah. You know, like, hey, watch this. I can do this. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, you, you talked about these um, these kind of amazing little pieces of art that survive and still, you know, have that impact. But um, mm. at the same time, they're just like these little uh, perfect things that he just kind of, you know, tossed yeah. off. I mean, he didn't you know, live long and he wrote all these great songs. I know, but I thought that he started, I didn't, he started, some, where is he born? Uh, I think he's from Alabama. And then I think he got involved with Roy Acuff, right? And that's what helped him solidify, I thought, the songs as actual songs. And Fred Rose, right? Those guys, those fellas. I thought that they are the ones, but maybe he did. Maybe he was that, you know, he, this, like, I'm so, it's my cry was 46 and he died in what, what year? Like 55 or something like that. 57. Going to a concert in Canton, Ohio. Right. He spent his last night on earth or where he spent it before he got in the car. Um, and where I used to live in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, the Andrew Johnson Hotel. Um, you know, I'm going to ask you a corny question about songwriting then, your own songwriting. Um, is it easy for you or is it hard for you? I think it's easier to write like a bad song. <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's hard, you know, it's hard to get, you know, it's hard even if I write something that's halfway decent. Like what the point is, did I sort of communicate what it is that I wanted to communicate well? And sometimes I can even like the out the end result of a song, but knowing that I didn't quite communicate exactly what I was wanting to perfectly. And there could be a song that's not my favorite, but I communicated exactly what I wanted to. And so that seems like success, you know, so they're different. And sometimes I like the words and sometimes I don't. Sometimes a riff is really good. Sometimes, you know, maybe the 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 melody line isn't so great, but there, but there's always things I can pick and pick at. But the, you know, I usually am so um, I'm not OCD, but I'm detailed. I don't want something to go out that I don't like that's not working because it bothers me. I don't know if that's, some people might think, oh my God, she's back at it. OCD, which I wouldn't mind having. I know I have a little bit, but it doesn't feel unhealthy. It feels um, like it's just not right and I just can't have it. You know, it's just not the way 
Although regular people wouldn't know, like they wouldn't even know the difference between, you know, this guitar sound or this, not because they're dumb. Like I wouldn't know the difference if somebody used this prepared meat on this dish or this prepared meat on this dish. And if it's not right and the tastes aren't harmonizing in the mouth, the chef would just hate it. And I would probably think it was fine. And I wouldn't know the difference, you know. Well, if you were a painter and, you know, you looked at a painting you were working on and you didn't think it was right and who would who could disagree with you right but exactly yeah yeah uh are uh, i will stop harassing you about this after this question um is there any song that you of yours that you really like that just popped out like that that just boom like came fully formed and you thought yeah that's it you know, Are You Mine is a solo song that I did. I had the word, the phrase in my head for a decade because my mother who had Alzheimer's would walk around the house and she would look at me and she would go, you know, eventually she would pass me in the hallway and just, are you mine? Like she knew there was a connection and maybe I was a baby, but you know, things get a little amorphous when you when you try to describe what might be going into an Alzheimer's person's head. But <clears throat> I got the sense that there was something that she was looking at, not like, do I know you? Not like that. Are you Virginia? That's not she what she was doing. She seemed to be like she, I, she didn't know my name, but she recognized that there was a connection and it was mine was like the baby thing even though she couldn't understand the baby aspect of it and the motherhood aspect but alzheimer's really is interesting to see time disintegrate and once time disintegrates so many other things lose like leaves on a tree once the branches go there's nothing holding when time goes everything is pretty much possible so nothing really makes sense anymore. It's just a jumble. But that that title I had for a long time, and it always seemed to be, you know, I knew I wanted to use it because it was so poignant. It was such a beautiful moment for me. Because I just said, yeah, Mama, I'm yours. It was so sweet. But anyway. The second piece of music Deal chose as essential to forming her sensibilities was Paranoid by Black Sabbath.
I liked the, you know, I graduated in 79 in high school. So uh, hair metal was not a thing. Uh, so it was heavier rock like Zeppelin um, and, uh, you know, Sabbath, um, Queen uh, had the News of the World out then. That was a big one that we were listening to all the time. So um, I knew a lot of the Sabbath, but I got particularly obsessed with Paranoid later in like the mid 80s. And uh, I remember somebody playing Iron Man and I had just taken some chew for the first time. I was so like still, you know, younger than 80, the mid 80s. And I remember getting really nauseous, nauseous and listening to Iron Man. Uh, I didn't like the song at all. And compounded with the, I mean, it was funny. That's all. It's just a funny song. But compounded with the, um, the chewing tobacco. I can still remember that song that I don't particularly like from Sabbath with the chewing tobacco. But Paranoid is an actual real song that uh, I, the riff is so good. The energy is good. It's got, it's good. It does something that I think is a quality that I would love to be able to do, which is sound heavy and yet light at the same time. It's a super pogo song. Like it's bouncing, just bouncing. And there's these melodic phrasing that's going the bass is doing sounds like one, an overdub of a, uh, a guitar is doing, do, 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 just moving, churning underneath it, do, 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 you know, just military precision, but not rush military, just like a very cool, very cool, tough, but not, again, not, when people get too heavy and too tough, for me, it can get quite dirgy and a little boring, I got to tell you. So the fact that this maintains its pogo bounciness the entire time and is still in a total flex for whatever, two and a half minutes, it's total flexing on a pogo stick for two and a half minutes. And then the, um, of course, Ozzy's vocal, which reminds me a lot of Hank Williams, what I like about that which is this plaintive sort of emotion filled, like they're going through something, but it's not over the top. There's not a lot of song styling and, and, and rapping. They're not holding the word in their mouth, really. They're just describing how they feel in a plain way that I, I find very appealing. I've actually been thinking recently when I've been singing, am I over singing this stuff? Am I, I, I have no idea. Like I've got to listen back to how I do it because I like things that sound like the album. I, I do like things when people play what song I like, I like it to sound like the album that I know and love, which probably is not good. But then the lyric, the, um, yeah, just for, he's very plain spoken, and the 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 riff is simple. It's not prog. It's not complicated. 
and the whole band feels like they're going through through something. And just the lyrics, you know, the lyrics go on with the I will sigh, you know, make a joke, I will sigh, and you will laugh, and I will cry. I mean, that's like everybody can relate to that. Happiness, I cannot feel, and love to me is so unreal. It's just this nihilistic, on a pogo stick, flex for two, like a heavy flex, not like a I'm tough, because they're vo- very, very vulnerable. You know, his ends with, I will tell you to enjoy life. I wish I could, but it's too late, you know? Um, that's He's not saying that, you know, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to take your head in a vice and crush it slowly. That's not what, he's not being tough. They're, they're talking about something I could relate to, you know? Nothing, you know, especially, you know, as a, as a young person that, that, but it's tough and that I love it. Yeah. Part of the uh, part of the song, you know, can you help me? I mean, and when he sings that, he he doesn't sound like Robert Plant, you know. He sounds like he sounds like Ozzy. He sounds like a guy just who, you know, is not a fantastic singer. Let's be honest. I mean, he's a great front man. He's a great performer, and he you know he has made what he has work for him you know unbelievably well, but he doesn't have that raw you know. Um, you're right. You're totally right. He sounds just like when he says, can you help me? It sounds like someone asking for help, not like, you know, Robert Plant calling down, you know, the Valkyries or whatever, you know. <laughs> Touch my lemon. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not even get yeah. into that. Um, no. And and I totally know what you mean about um, the, the heavy but kind of light, um, bouncy, spongy quality. I, I think of it a lot, especially especially a lot of, you know, hard rock, heavy music of that era. And it is a little bit of a lost quality. It's like, I always think of it as like elephants dancing, right? It's like really heavy, but it, it swings, it moves, you know, there's like a, a, you know, early Motorhead and Sabbath and, you know, a lot of those things have that feel that a lot of things that would come along after them and try to like do what they do didn't really bring that part with them. And I don't know where the, where the, where the where that got lost and now i'm sounding like you know i'm an old rock guy yelling at a cloud or something i guess but anyway yeah 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 maybe it came after the after rap with the heavy on the one you know and this is all and then when tool and everything aren't they just on the one everything it's just one i don't know do you know what i mean maybe that's Maybe that's where it went. I don't know. Uh, that that is a that is a worthy theory. So uh, you know you were already um, you were playing music at this point when or no, were you playing music in high school or seventy seven? Um, I knew how to play guitar. I played guitar when I was thirteen, but I was getting learning from like a Neil Young Easy Guitar book and picking out like my own. Like I learned, I never will marry. And uh, I didn't learn it. I, that was so easy. You can just listen and it goes ding, 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 ding. I don't even remember how it goes on the B and the E strings. I know that. Um, but shortly, yeah. Sure, yeah. I would just get songbooks and learn how to play them. And Kelly had a good voice. And we started playing shortly after that. We borrowed my dad's, my granddad's potty chair because he came to live with us. Kimmy. Just talk about them. Um, Putting eggs in his vodka and the his turkey wine. Put it for breakfast. 
So, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Eggs in his vodka. I'm just going to have to. Vodka, he called turkey wine. Hmm. And he would put eggs in it. And then he had a glass of vodka for breakfast, not a big one, just like this much. And he'd crack an egg, put it in there. And then he'd take the vodka. Indicating like a, like a rocks glass or something slightly taller with your fingers. There. It was a drinks. It was a water glass. Okay. All right. But he did not fill it up all the way. It was about halfway filled. Okay. And then the egg would be cracked open and thrown into the bottom of the glass. That's what he'd have for breakfast, along with his eggs. And, 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 he was a hillbilly. So, so and, everything he said had like five syllables. And. So there would be an egg in the vodka, and then he would also eat eggs alongside the vodka. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Just trying to. You know, yeah. Ten o'clock at night, morning, coming out of his room, wanting his breakfast. Yeah, it's like, oh God, Granddaddy. Okay, where's your breakfast? Morning. Beyond Video is a volunteer-run video library in Baltimore. Basically, an old-school video rental store reimagined with a 21st century nonprofit twist. Beyond offers nearly 30,000 titles from every region, era, and genre of cinema on DVD, Blu-ray, and VHS, a collection created by crowdsourcing disc donations from movie lovers like you. With no rental fees or late fees, members get unlimited rentals from their collection for a small monthly donation. Find out more about joining or donating at beyondvideo.org. Or when in Baltimore, visit Beyond at 2545 North Howard Street. And for a limited time, new members who mention Essential Tremors when signing up will get an extra month for free. This episode is brought to you by Royal Books, located at 32 West 25th Street in Charles Village, Baltimore. Established in 1996, Royal Books is a seller of rare books and paper, specializing in literature, cinema, music, and the arts. From Cassavetes to Ida Lupino, from New Wave to Warhol, you'll find an ever-expanding selection of first editions, original film scripts, vintage photographs, posters, and 20th century Americana. Visit us online at royalbooks.com or visit our store on any weekday between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. The final piece of music Deal chose as being crucial to her was Dogs by Pink Floyd.
two pages on this one. This is a song that was out in 1977. It's called Dogs, It's Off Pink Floyd's Animals. This I listened to when it was newly released. I had, everybody knew, you know, uh, 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 Dark Side of the Moon, of course. All of it, there's a lot of songs off of that one. So that's how I knew them. And then Animals came out. And this is a period 16, 17, something like that. Now smoking pot. And this album comes out. And what it, how it influenced me was that it's a 17 minute long song. And smoking pot with the headphones on. And laying down, too tired. Everybody in the house is mad at you because you're a teenager, so they're gonna be mad at you anyway. And then just putting on the headphones and just following the music so closely that not only, you know, the age that I grew up in, they're guitar heroes. So I memorized Joe Walsh. I memorized the Ted Nugent guitars, exactly how often they did the vibrato bed. I could see, you know, a good guitar hero, you sing, you know, Freebird, all of Leonard Skinner, you, all that, you can sing the guitar because they're supposed to be that melodic, again, not just, but a, not that. It has to be a singable, like, you know the note, you go, near, 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 you know, all that stuff. What song am I doing? Is it fucking, it might be something like uh, the live, it's riding the storm out or something. I'm, Tweet, 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 tweetledee, tweet, huh? Uh, you've stumped me, so. Or is it Jay Giles' band? It's Jay Giles' band, Blow Your Face Out Live, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm getting too old to talk to people about shit. Anyway, so, um, so there we are. Your mom comes into the room, because we're not in my bedroom. We're in this area where the receiver probably is. I don't have a receiver in my bedroom with the headphones coming out and mom walked, get up, get up, turning on the lights, you know, it's probably 4.30 and she needs a table set or something and she's just annoyed. That's what animals reminds me of, my mother being annoyed and get up, get up, set the table, you know, blah, blah, blah. Get your clothes up, off the floor. It's 17 minutes long and I mean, I've memorized, I just listened to, I memorized where the dogs come in, you know, which, which ear, the roof, roof. <laughs> when, and when, like, it would sound like a howl, the guitar sounds like a howl. Um, and it came out in 77. And, uh, you know, there's some, I mean, there's long stretches where, like, there's drums just stop and then just sense and I mean it's just a soundscape and you know it's interesting it kind of reminded me a little bit of I saw wizards when I was like an adult like you know five years ago or something and that came out in 1977 but I wanted to ask my friend about it because it's like there's something about this could be like a Vanta uh, Fantasia or the wizard soundtrack dog 17 minutes so it reminds me of they don't sound the same one is like heavy mood wow that sort of thing with a little bit more of the funk and this is pretty you know clean you know big big spread on the on the board on the on the piano sort of but uh and i think that what 
the reason why this is an influence for me is that, you know, again, there's Guitar Hero licks in there that I memorized. You know, those drooling, those drooling harmony guitars. That's, you know, the hook, you know, but also just all of like how long the synth happens, how many times a vibrato hits on a vocal. And again, the dogs memorizing all of that and that is the song. So it doesn't have to be, you know, you know, when we kiss goodbye and parted, blue eyes crying in the rain, bum, 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 You know, it doesn't have to be that. It can just be this, just noise, you know, just, it's not just noises. It's a soundscape and, and, and I, I loved it. You know, and I don't know, maybe other people don't, but I, I know I loved it. And just memorizing exactly, you know. It, it's funny because um, I think for a long time, Animals has sort of been the Pink Floyd album that people sort of skip over when they talk about Pink Floyd. But I have seen a lot of people on social media and just sort of like mentioning or name dropping Animals lately. So yeah, somehow animals, weird. you know, animals is making some sort of like comeback in the subconscious. Um, yeah. And, and you, you were tapped into it. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I think part of what you're talking about here is, has a lot to do with how, you, and this has come up on the show a bunch, uh, how you engage with music when you're younger and especially when you're younger in a in a different time when you know everything that you could possibly want to hear is on your phone yeah mm, um that's right and you know your your options for what to listen to is like the radio and whatever records maybe you have or your parents have or your friends have and so when you engage with something you tend to engage with it a lot deeper you know you don't have seven thousand things to listen to you have a half dozen things to listen to. And so you do, you memorize every little detail of it. Um, and, and and I totally hear you about sort of that expansive um, quality of something like that, where you're, you're getting away from that three minute or two and a half minute, you know, the Hank Williams song or Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain, where it's like first chorus, you know, verse bridge, you know, bring it back to the chorus again and X number of chords and, it's all got to be very legible and, you know, but that's not necessarily certainly the limit of music. And, and especially if you're a teenager and especially if you're stoned, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. as good a, that's as good an entry point to everything else music um, is and can be yeah. as any. Yeah. I mean, it's not like this, you know, uh, like, uh, that's not the best part of a Pink Floyd song, you know, I know that. There are Pink Floyd songs that work better than that moment, you know, but those moments aren't the, the reason why I, it's the whole, like, like, 
the like this that we to get old older 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 uh, you know following the, you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah and that's why it's an influence not like that section and like i don't want because i was thinking it's like are these some of these musical moments of re-entry are like they're a little mm, but and that's you know i it's just interesting there's better pink floyd moments than that but the idea that the song exists and it's not just that it's the it's the entire all the noises create a feeling and an emotion and a view a visual like and along with the album cover with the smokestacks you know and this bleak landscape and you know and I, so that was a I, that that was different is there in your in your in your vault or in your future? Is there a more uh, kind of sprawling experimental Kim Deal project? <laughs> like every cassette in my basement that's never been released, pretty much. That's that's just me going. Whoa! I did mushrooms, thinking I would do something really good, and it's me just groaning in my four track for ninety minutes, going. Uh, 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 I still have that cassette. That's sort of a something. <laughs> you, you, you just wait. Set it Someday to music. That will be out. We and a three hundred copy. <laughs> there you go. Pressing. We do have a, a song that sort of alludes to this soundscape it's called raw and it's on last splash r-o-raw french for king you know yeah right but i use it like raw why not doesn't or use it like king too so it doesn't whatever now that you mention it yes now all you have to do is just you know sidelong just you know go start barking through it yeah get some of those those jimbo rork dollars you know (laughs) yeah This has been Essential Tremors. Essential Tremors is produced by me, Matt Byers, and Lee Gardner. Essential Tremors is distributed by WYPR Baltimore. For more information about Essential Tremors, go to essentialpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Essential Tremors.